You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. So today, really what we're talking about is faith, and I'm going to look at faith from a probably a unique perspective, something that you're not used to looking at faith from. Depending upon how you grew up and understood scripturally what faith said, But I want to approach it from two different stories. One's a parable. One's something that Jesus did that was just downright mean in the Bible, right, in the Gospels. And so we're going to talk about when Jesus cursed the fig tree. And then we're going to talk about the parable of the talents, all right? Now, if you know anything about either one of those stories, you know they're really not fun stories. But they're very important because I believe that they give us a little bit of a framework on how to understand our faith. But before we get into that, let's talk about why faith is important. Because faith is really kind of the pathway in which we grow on our spiritual journey. You have to have faith. And the word faith in the the New Testament is so simple because it means trust. That's all it means. And we're going to talk about today that we've all been given by grace a measure of faith But we have to grow that faith, and the the reason why we have to grow that faith is because everything God is going to call you to do is going to be beyond you, right? It doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter if it's something in your future, like God's telling you to do something, something phenomenal, maybe start a business or do something. Maybe it's to take a mission trip. Maybe it's just to, to live a little bit brighter in your workplace or to make a shift in your family. It's going to take faith. But it also takes faith to kind of get out of a deficit. And I want you to hear that this morning because Jesus actually talks about this in some of the passages that we're going to read today. Is that sometimes it takes faith to let go of things. Sometimes it takes faith to get forgiveness. Sometimes it takes faith to get unhurt. We have to trust God. See, faith is the primary pathway that God has designed for us to do that. And really what it means is making an exchange. And it's very simple. It's no longer my ability, no longer Andy's ability, but me putting my trust in God's ability to perform what he said he would do in my life. And so faith is very important no matter where you are. Because God has not only put a measure of faith in every one of you, but he has called you to something. He has called you to something. And that something is going to require you trusting in him. All right? So let's talk about this really quick. Open your Bibles, look on the screen, get your phone app out. Mark 11, 12 through 14. It says this. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Mm. Should have packed the Snickers. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went out to find that it didn't have any fruit. Find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, there's a little bit of context from this story, and the one is just very funny and very simple, is that Jesus was hangry. You know what it is to be hangry? You're hungry and you're angry. (laughs) And it's not really, it's so important because theologians really just debate over this, and they they spend a fair amount of time putting the blame on this fig tree. (laughs) 
And why this happened? And was Jesus cruel? Did he curse somebody's tree? That's so mean, Jesus. Or no, it was just a tree on the side of the road, so it was nobody's property, but he's creator and all creation and all blah, blah, blah. But Jesus, really, I don't think this is even about any of that. I think it's a, actually a little bit of a, an illustration for us about faith, as we're going to see in just a little bit as we go further down in this chapter. But Jesus, as a man, was hungry. And he saw a tree that didn't have fruit. Whether the tree was supposed to or not, I personally think is indifferent. And Jesus, being hangry, cursed this tree. And it made such an impact in the disciples' mind that the Bible decided to include it and said the disciples heard what he said. They heard it. Because they're probably like, what? What did you just do, Jesus? All right. I want to pause here, and then I want to get into a tough parable because we're going to come back to Mark 11. And here's the thing, that this is why. Because as we look further down in Mark 11, Jesus actually, they have another interaction with this fig tree. And Jesus starts a dialogue about faith. And that's why I believe that this fig tree, that this initial thing that happened in Mark 11 is really the setup for this illustration of faith. But if we're honest, sometimes faith doesn't make sense. Sometimes faith doesn't make sense. Sometimes our faith is difficult. Sometimes growing our faith is hard. And this is what I love about Jesus. And this is why, in particular, I love the parables. It's because Jesus doesn't stay away from the hard spots. He hits them dead on. Now, here's the thing, because we're about to read a parable, and it's not a fun parable. It's a parable that will confront things in our life. And what we have to do is we have to make a decision and say, God, I'm going to hear your word. And Holy Spirit, help me to understand your word and to conform into the image of your word. Because when I do, I grow. When I do, I grow. Let's talk about the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, starting in verse 24. I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a little bit of context here before I jump in there. So here's the story of this. Jesus tells a parable and says there was a master who had three servants, and he gave each of these servants a measure of money. To one he gave ten, to one he gave five, to one he gave one. And these were sums of money measured in weight, and they were not insignificant things. Even though we hear the, the terms 10, 5, and 1, and our tendency is maybe to think about it in terms of dollars or pounds, that's not the point. The point is that each one of these things, even the one, even the servant who was given one bag of money was given a large sum. The master goes away in this parable and he returns. And each one of these servants chose to do something with the master's money. The one who was given 10 invested the money wisely and returned double profit back to the master. The one who had five did the same thing. But the one who had one chose to bury his money. And this is where I want to pick up today. Because what I want to talk to you about is the structure of our faith for just a second. In Matthew 25, 24 through 27, it says this. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. 
His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, I, I would have had it back with interest. This is a harsh parable. And it comes in a group of three parables here in Matthew's Gospel that deal with two things. It deals with the kingdom of God as it presents in the end day context because it's sandwiched actually between the wise and the foolish virgins and the sheep and the goats. But it also speaks to our faith as it comes to how we begin to please God. I want to bring out a couple of things that make sense and only make sense about faith and the difficult angles of faith that we have to learn and God wants us to grow in concerning the structure of our faith. The first thing is this. In order for faith to grow, we have to have eternity locked in our hearts. We have to have eternity locked in our hearts. See, this, again, this parable is sandwiched in between two things that deal with future things. I hope this makes sense. And Jesus is bringing out a larger point because here's the reality is that our faith is not just for our world that we see. Our faith has an eternal purpose. And in order for it to carry the authority of eternity, we have to have eternity locked in our hearts. And what having eternity locked in our hearts does to our faith is gets us through the difficult aspects of our faith. There are things that you're going to walk through that honestly are only going to make sense in light of eternity. And if I can just say very bluntly is that, that within churches like ours that have a charismatic lean to them, that there has been bad teaching regarding the idea of weak and strong faith without the truth of eternity attached to it. There are things that we will only see on the other side of this earth. There are promises that we will only see fulfilled on the other side of this earth. And that should not be discouraging to any one of us. That should be very, very joy-filled for every one of us. Because what it does is it pulls our eyes off of the things that we see on this earth and it anchors us to the truth that we serve not a God that is prone to failure, but an eternal God who does not fail. Having eternity locked in our hearts also causes us to desire to live, leave a legacy behind. I'm thankful I'm thankful for the people that I've known. I'm thankful for leadership in this church. I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for those who lived in faith, even though they suffered. <laughs> that they lived in a place of faith because they left a legacy of faith. Because their eyes were not fixed just on this world, but they understood that they had an eternal value. And in order, in order 
for your faith to grow, you have to have eternity locked in your heart. Because what it's going to do is cause you immediately to get over some of the bumps that you're currently facing on this earth today. All right, the second thing that we see in this parable is that we've all been given a measure of faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. Each servant was given something, and Jesus says in the parable that was given according to their ability. But there's, this isn't a hierarchical system here. It's not measured on how good you are, or how, how, how strong you are, or how smart you are. But it is all completely reliant upon the grace of Jesus Christ. Our faith has been given to show the glory of Jesus Christ. It doesn't exist for our own glory. It doesn't exist for our own pleasure even. It exists for the glory of Jesus Christ. So this is what faith is exactly. And the scripture in this parable tells us this story of the, these different servants that were given something according to their ability. How does that make sense for our understanding as it relates to faith? Because this is what it means specifically to us, is that faith is a grace that's given to us. It's God's supernatural ability in us that is locked into the God-given gifts and talent within us. It means this, is that every one of you God has designed with something. He has given you a talent. Even if that talent's smiling, if that talent is, is being able to be a great business owner, if that talent is to preach, if that talent is to encourage, to sing, whatever it is, to teach, to be the best parent you can possibly be, that is something that God's graced you with, and he is going to infuse that supernaturally with faith. And when we begin to see that, what takes place is this, is that that begins to grow. And your faith grows in the context, uh, and your measure of faith grows in the context of the thing that God has given you, the, the talent, the ability that God has given you. That's why it's important for you to figure out your design. That's why we talk about that. That's why we have things that help you understand that. Because your faith is going to get unlocked as you discover that. You're going to be able to see that and say, God, I'm going to step out in that thing. Because you see God's design come together. Your talent and that God has given in the faith that God has deposited in you. I want to tell you, uh, my wife Kim has, uh, has this beautiful gift of faith. And we were talking about this the other day. It's amazing. I mean, like... She's just done some crazy things. I'm not going to tell you all the crazy things that she's done that God's just given her great faith for. I want to tell you a couple of stories. See, because this is really important for you guys to see. When we lived in Los Angeles in California, we lived across the street from this elderly couple who they weren't believers. But they were super sweet. Can you believe that? That non-Christians can be sweet? They really can, huh? We should be friendly, shouldn't we? We should really love people, huh? And so we, Kim would go over there, and she made friends. And I'm not a social person, but my wife is social. She's, God's given her that ability to be able to talk to anybody, and, and it's, it's great. It's a gift. And she went, and she began a relationship with this old lady across the street, and they became good friends. 
Well, this old lady's husband got really sick. And she began to tell my wife one day, and she was crying because this couple really loved each other. She was going to be sad that her husband was about to go. And my wife just spoke up, just infused with faith, and said, hey, your husband's not going to die. Let's pray for your husband. Now, here's a person who, who doesn't have a God context. And my wife goes over there, and they just, she prays a very gentle prayer. She's not boisterous. She's not loud. She's very soft. And she prays a gentle prayer. And then she just goes on her way. And a few days later, this lady comes across the street and she's all excited because her husband is no longer on death's doorstep, but he's actually recovering and getting better. I remember when you guys have heard the story about my brother. I don't want to go back through that, but when my brother, we dropped him off and he was an addict, a raging addict, after my Mom's funeral, he lived in Georgetown, Texas, and I took a drive with my brother who was on drugs from Georgetown, Texas to Washington, D.C. I could have jumped in front of the car and let it run over me. I'm not joking, it was miserable. And by the time we got back home and we dropped him off, I, I, I wanted to kick him out the door. I didn't want, I was so fed up with him, I was so angry with him, I was, I was mad, I was embarrassed, I was, I was just, I was distraught. And we're driving away, and my wife looks at me and says, Let's, I want to pray for your brother that Jesus begins to set him free and that he finds Jesus. I looked at her, God's honest truth, and I told her no. I said, no. I said, you can pray. She said, okay, I will. And she began to pray. And she began to pray, and I began to like, okay, Lord, I guess you can do it, whatever you want. <laughs> You're God. I guess you love him. Nobody else does. I was a butthole. I can say that. He was my brother. Two weeks later, I get a phone call from my brother. He stumbled in a week before that into an Assemblies of God church on a Tuesday afternoon where there is nobody there, and he bangs on the door, and the pastor opens the door, and he goes, I need to get my life right with Jesus. I'm an addict. He said, well, you came to the right place. I'm a recovering addict, and I can help you. Is that because my wife's awesome? She is, but no. No. This is my point. Because you've been given a measure of faith, and this parable talks about this according to their ability, right? But that is not because of who you are. It is not because of who Kim is. What it is is a mashup of the gifts of God in you and the grace of faith in you, right? And it is all for the glory of Jesus. You see that? All right. All right, the second, third thing is our faith should be growing. This is structure of our faith. Our faith should be growing. And this is a particularly glaring truth in this uh, parable. And it says faith should never lay dormant. It's really, it's really a simple truth. But it's a tough question. Because this is what Jesus brings up in this parable. And this is hard. This is hard. Because he looks at this servant who is given one bag. One bag of money, and they return the money back to the master. And the master's response hits us, doesn't it? And it th makes us kind of twinging. Ugh. But the tough question that we have to ask is this. Is faith really faith if it's not growing? And that's hard. 
And I get it. But this is one of those things that Jesus challenges us on. Now, friends, if your faith is not based on your ability, then this isn't a dig at you. But a lot of times in our understanding of our faith, what happens is that we get comfortable, don't we? I noticed in my own life that there were times in, in my life where I began to tell stories of my faith that were, were dated. That my faith had stopped growing, stopped being stretched, stopped being something that was thriving anymore in my life. And Jesus brings this to our attention here, and it's not something that we, we immediately want to hear. But here's the thing that I also want you to see that's implied in this parable is that the servants that were given the ten and the five is that they made an investment. And what happened to their investment? It doubled. Now anybody that's ever invested anything in their life, that's a great return, isn't it? Anybody want those odds? I'll take 100%, right? Okay, but here's the thing is that Jesus doesn't say, hey, well, one came back with... 5.3% interest return. The other one came back and did pretty, pretty, you know, pretty good. He invested in a different area. He diversified it. And then it came back at 11.2. He didn't even say, one took the risk. And hey, he blew it all. He lost half. It all doubled. And here's why I believe that. Is because if your faith is not based upon you, if it is reliant upon the grace of Jesus and the promises that he's given, it doesn't return anything more than an increase. Some of you are going, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa. Now listen, your faith should be growing. Oh, I know this is tough to hear. Listen, I get it. Some of you go, well, look, I've been in this, this, this place in my life, and it's been hard, and, and these things, and, and I understand. Sometimes it takes a while, doesn't it? Sometimes we go through seasons that are difficult. But listen, your faith is not based on you. It's based on the promise of God in you. And that's not going to return void. God's going to fulfill it. He's going to do it. Our faith should be growing. Our faith has to be valued. It could be equally said that what was taking place between those servants was this, is that the first two understood that even though the money wasn't theirs, even though it was graced upon them, they valued it. They valued it. And according, in, in, in the perspective of faith, when we value our faith, what does that look like? Is it, is it looks like a faith that is stretched. That basically a faith that has to take a risk. But in order for our faith to be valued, we have to be given spiritual eyes to see. I want to tell you another story. It's funny. This just, this literally just hit me. Like last week at our men's group, we were talking about this in the book of Galatians. And I can't even tell you how it, how it opened up. But I just started telling the story of when we, we church planted in Washington, D.C. with a four-square denomination out, out of this church. It was, it was beautiful. That season of preparing and going, I probably got, we probably got three phone calls from people. All just saying, listen, God's going to do a great thing for, for, uh, through you and 
Washington, D.C., planting this church, like people that weren't even directly connected to what we were doing. We were excited. God opened up supernatural doors. I've talked about this in the past that we didn't have a place to live. We were packing our U-Haul. We actually got on the road and about halfway between here and Washington, D.C., we got a phone call from a realtor and got this house that was on an acre of land, this beautiful farmhouse. It was amazing. Like, God did all that. And then we started the church, and the church failed. And then my dad died. And I'm going, what the what what? I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm going, what happened, God? Did you do? I don't get it. Only remember one interaction with the Lord in that season. And it happened when I was looking out the upstairs bathroom into the backyard right after my dad passed away. And I was looking through the lawn. It was in the middle of winter. It was November. It was freezing cold. All the leaves had fallen off the tree. And, and God just asked me, what do you see? And my, my, my response from my heart was this. I see death. That's what I felt like on the inside. He said, what do you see? What do you see? And I kept looking out, and I saw past my lawn, past the neighbor's lawn, I saw this swing set with these little kids playing. And God said, what do you see? I said, God, I can begin to see some life. He said, you're going to see life. At the same time we went up there, I had a, a youth leader that led me to a group who was in the military, Air Force. He was worked in the DOD. And the great guy, he and his wife, he got married young. He and his wife were youth leaders. Well, something happened with this first marriage, and, and she left him. And he got remarried to a really terrible woman who took advantage of him deeply. And credit, but more, more importantly, in this world, some of you might understand this, but he lost all of his security clearance, so he couldn't work anymore. And he was homeless. And when we came in, I, I saw him. We got together, and this had just happened, and he was broken. He was living in his car. And I said, man, you don't, you don't have to live in come, come live in my basement. <laughs> I, got a, I got a room down in my basement. Come live in my basement. He came and lived in my basement almost for the same amount of time that we ended up walking And by the time we got to leave Washington, D.C., what took place was this, is that his, his marriage was over. She was actually found to be somebody who, was, who got criminally charged. His clearance was corrected. His job was restored. Life was rebuilt. And I walked out of that experience thinking that I had failed. I walked out of that experience thinking that I missed God. And I promise you, last day, it was like this light bulb that went off in my head. And it was like God said, Andy, you trusted me to go, and I honored you for what I wanted you to do, and you did it. But faith has to be valued because it's going to be stretched, but you have to have eyes to see. Because what God is stretching you for, you might not understand, but you can trust it. All right. Yeah, all right. All right. In order for faith to grow, fear must be dealt with. 
All right. And here's another thing that we see here because of the response of this last servant that was given one bag is this, is that fear and faith don't mix. They can't coexist, all right? The response from this servant was this, is that, well, I know you're a, you're, you're a harsh man. You're a harsh man. You, you harvest where you've not sown. You gather where you haven't, you haven't scattered seed. And so I was afraid. And he was rebuked. And here's a takeaway from this that we can understand is that you can't, fear and faith don't mix, is that you have to let the Holy Spirit deal with fear as God begins to stretch you by faith. You can't fear God's ability to perform what he said he will do. You can't fear that. You have to trust it. You have to trust it. You can't fear failure. Faith is not a measure of your success. I've talked to so many people that say that to me. They say, well, look, what if I go and I, I pray for something, somebody and nothing happens? What if, I, what if I do this and I fail? So what? Get back up and do it again. Why? Because it's not about you. It's not measured on your success. If God told you to do it, he'll, he'll do it. He'll perform it. You can't fear man. You can't fear man. All right, let's really quickly, we're going to wrap this up. Let's dive back into Mark 11, 22 through 24. Okay, so they see, they see this fig tree again, and they're like, oh, master, guess what? That tree is now dead. All right. So Jesus says to his disciples, he says, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they will say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Really quick, just a couple of takeaways on how we grow our faith. The first is this. Jesus says is have faith in God. Okay, listen. You have to start a history with God. You have to start a history with God. If you don't have a history with God, you can lean into the Word of God. You can lean into the things that you've heard. You can lean into other people's things that they have seen God move. But you have to begin a history with God. You have to begin a history of faithfulness in your life, the one He desires to have with you. And this is why I believe Jesus said this is a simple but powerful statement. Have faith in God. He was telling the disciples, listen, you have seen, you witnessed what happened, you saw me curse this thing, you walked by it and it's dead. And I'm telling you that you need to have a history with God. You need to reflect upon his goodness, you need to write it down, you need to think about it, you need to remind yourself, you need to stir it up, you need to ask God for more, you need to write down the smallest things, the medium-sized things, the big things, you need to listen to other testimonies, you have to have a history of faith, you have to have a history with God. He doesn't want you to live vicariously through whoever, whether it's your parents or your history or, 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 or your, your, your past. Maybe you, you grew up and everybody you know has always been in church. Listen, it needs to be fresh for you. The second thing is this that Jesus mentions here. And this sounds a little hokey to some of us, but I want to show you how it's not. Is that he tells them, if you say to this mountain, 
And the second thing that you have to do is you have to speak in faith. If you want to grow your faith, you have to speak in faith. And I understand that this feels foolish because you've seen foolish people do it the wrong way. But this is not you naming and claiming something. This is you speaking out of the abundance of God's goodness in your heart. And here's the truth. When we boil it down just very practically is that we do a lot of speaking, a lot of talking to ourselves. Yes, you talk to yourself. Maybe you don't talk out loud. Some of you do talk out loud. My wife busts me all the time. She's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, uh, uh, Bob, I mean me, I don't know. Like, I'm embarrassed all of a sudden. And a lot of times what comes out of our mouth, whether it's in just in our heart or actually said out loud, is negative, isn't it? That we berate ourselves. And how do you know that you berate yourself? Well, are you a critical person? Are you judgy? Are you judgmental? Do you find the, the negative in something? Then you're probably doing it to you too. And it breeds insecurity. And it breeds fear. And so it's important that we check what comes out of our mouth. Let me, let me tell you what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33 and 30 through 37. He's talking to a group of Pharisees he wants to backhand. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings out good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings out evil out of the evil things stored in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now Jesus is laying it down on some Pharisees who are speaking evil and leading people astray. But there is a core principle that we see here that's very important. And it falls in the context that you're going to speak out of the depth of your heart. And in order for faith to grow, you have to begin to speak out the promises of God in your life. You have to speak the promises of God. You've got to speak the future hope out of your mouth. That doesn't mean you have to be goofy about it. This doesn't mean you have to be wild about it or dumb about it. This means that you have to let it come out of your mouth. There is an active thing that triggers when faith comes out of our mouth. The third thing is this. Take some steps to trust God's truth. Jesus says this, if you, you do not doubt in, their heart, in your heart, but you believe, but you believe, faith takes time to grow. Justin, you come on up, man. Faith takes time to grow. And this is what I want to tell you, that if you say, look, man, my pastor, my, I'm, I'm in this place where I feel like my faith is weak. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Okay? Just take some steps for your faith to grow. Take small steps, but don't stop taking steps. Jesus uses this crazy illustration here, and it's insane. He tells his disciples, he says, look, if you tell that mountain to be thrown into the sea, what? Do any of you guys read the word and just go, wait a second? That's insane. Have any of you tried that? There's no mountains around here. D don't. Don't go try it. 
Because Jesus is making an illustration here. And it's this. Is that our faith is always going to stretch us. If Jesus would have said, hey, look at that little pebble right there. Pick it up and believe that you can skip it across the river. The disciples would have looked at him and gone, really? But Jesus uses the most insane illustration that you could possibly fathom. Something that hasn't nor will ever move. Because the creator stuck it there. And he looks at us and he says, listen, every time you're challenged in faith, it is absolutely going to be bigger than what you can imagine and see in your ability. But it's not impossible for me. It's not impossible for me. But in order to get there, you have to take some steps of faith, don't you? That we have to take these steps. Because faith is beyond our ability. That's why Jesus says this, that if you don't doubt, but you believe, what will happen? What you say will happen. It will be done. You know, it's, it's interesting to me, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pull out all these wild truths here in here, but I think it's important to dissect this a little bit because it, I don't know about you, it feels a little abnormal to me. If I'm going to pick up and throw a mountain into the sea, and use my faith to do it. And Jesus says, listen, if you just believe what you say, that feels very Star Wars Jedi to me. <laughs> Strong is the force in you. A green guy's going to come out and have me stand on my head. But Jesus doesn't say here, have faith in me. He says, if you believe what you say, Mm, that's challenging. Why? What is Jesus saying? Because faith is beyond our ability, we have to believe it wholly. So how do we do that? Because I've heard a lot of people, man, I've heard a lot of people in the church tell me things that are wrong with the church. They've told me things that they've experienced. And these are people in the church. But I don't hear very many people telling me what they believe. I don't hear very many people telling me what they're standing on. And Jesus just brings out this troubling truth. And he says this, this is the word. This is the Greek word. This is what faith means. It is pistis. It is trust. That's all it is, and that's all Jesus is saying, is that you have to trust. And sometimes we need help trusting, don't we? That's why we're in the fellowship of faith. That's why you have to draft off of people here, and you have to be encouraged. That's why you need to be in a small group. That's why you need to have relationship. Because you're going to need that faith to be fed. You're going to have to learn how to take some steps, how to grow in faith, but you have to grow. The next thing that Jesus says, and important in growing our faith, is that we have to ask according to his promises. He says, when you go to prayer, 
And this is a, a marker of our understanding. It's a contextual thing that Jesus is bringing out. It's a place of piety and humility. And understanding that, that faith is not a genie lamp that we rub to get what we want. And we don't walk in faith and pray in faith and act in faith to, to get blessing in our life, but we do it so that we can unlock the promises of God so that the glory of Jesus can be seen. In 1 John 5.14, this is what the Scripture says, this is the confidence what, which we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, and we know that we have obtained the request made of Him. If we ask according to His will. So how do you pray in faith? How do you pray according to His promises? When you know, when you know, you anchor your faith in His Word. When you know, you anchor your faith in His Word. You don't have to doubt His love. You don't have to doubt His ability to give you strength. You don't have to doubt peace. You don't have to doubt truth. You don't have to doubt future. In this church, we stand in a particular place where we believe Jesus heals. And we will always pray according to faith, according to the Word of God. When we don't know, how do we pray in faith? Please don't pray, God, if it's your will. Why? Because you're not exercising any trust. And these two things go hand in hand. Please hear me. Pray, Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me wisdom. Begin to pray and ask God to confirm that His faithfulness never fails. That His faithfulness never fails. Stay humble. Stay flexible. Stay yielding. Why? Because the plan that He has may not look like the plan that you want but it's always the best plan. And then finally, and we're going to pray is this. The last thing that Jesus says, if you have any unforgiveness in your heart, if you have to deal with anything, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. In order for your faith to grow, you have to deal with sin. You have to deal with sin. Unrepented sin hurts our faith. It doesn't mean that God turns His back on you. That doesn't mean that God stops loving you. I'm not even sure that it means that God won't hear your prayer. But one thing it will do is it will distort your perspective to be able to see. And Jesus mentions this. He says, listen, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. And if you want your faith to grow, then it's time to let go of unforgiveness. It's time to turn over bitterness. 
It's time to even deal with fear. To allow the Holy Spirit to fix fear. Because all these things become things that block our ability to see God move. These things become interference for us. This morning, you need to exercise your faith in this area where you begin to say, God, I need to see your grace. I need help because I have to take a step to release somebody who's hurt me. I can't do it. I can't do it in my ability. But Jesus, I know because you're leading me into the future you've created for me, I've got to let this go. So help me. So help me. So help me. And when you take a step, grace begins to come in. And you're able to take another step and say, listen, I'm releasing, I'm forgiving, I'm letting bitterness go. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, the faith that you've deposited in us. And Father, the desire that you have for each one of us to grow in faith. And I pray that Holy Spirit, that faith will begin to grow. That faith will begin to grow. That, God, that you would begin to stir that up and you would show, Lord, each of us exactly, Father, the area of our life that you're stretching us in and you're asking us to take another step. And so, God, whatever obstacle may, may hinder us, Lord, we come to you and we ask that you begin to help us, that you give us grace to take a step, that you would make your promises alive inside of us that, God, there would be a beautiful history that would begin to take place in our life. Lord, we, we would remind ourselves and stir up the truth of your goodness in our life. And we thank you, Lord. And I pray for, even for those, Lord, who feel like they need to just use their faith to get out of a deficit. Lord, I just declare your grace in the name of Jesus. And your future. Lord, as we just humble ourselves and we say, God, help us to take that step no matter what it is we have to do, if we need to just apologize or we need to change something, do something, God, we just lean into your grace. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus for those who are, Lord, just taking a, a step, Lord, toward their future just for strength, that you would break the enemy of fear. Lord, that you'd break the, the fear of failure in the name of Jesus. God, that we're not leaning upon our own strength and you didn't deposit, Lord, your grace in our life based upon who we are, but Jesus, because of who you are. And we just make a confession with our mouths that the things that you are calling us to do are for your glory and for your fame and your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? All right. Thank you guys so much. Let me bless you guys. And then. Why don't you leave today? Just call one another. Give each other a hug, a handshake. Encourage somebody. Hey, just tell them they look great. Tell them they look amazing. All right. All right. I see you looking at your spouse. Look, look tell somebody else that. All right. And again, you guys all jump the gun. All right.
Let me just bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Your grace, your grace, your grace. Let your goodness and your mercy follow each one of us all the days of our life, we pray. Amen, amen. I love you so much. Looking forward to see you Wednesday. Greet one another.